Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. I'm tuned to Future Sense here with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald through till 11 o'clock this morning. And thanks for your texts, and we will address some of those. Some of them are slightly off topic, but not really. Um, but if we can't get to them today, we will get to them at another time. Indeed. And we're talking about uh, the underground and how countercultural movements form the seeds of and, and influence uh, large-scale social change. And uh, we're, we've been tracking through history and looking at the previous paradigm shift from the agricultural era through to the scientific industrial and some of the, the uh, counterculture movements mm. and uh, waves of, of revolution and reformation associated with that. And uh, we're seeing echoes right now as we're in the middle of another paradigm shift at the end of the scientific industrial era and moving into another communally oriented era, which is very humanistic or anthropocentric in nature, uh, very much centered on the human experience and human values, very much reliant on networks as well and uh, relativistic thinking. And we, uh, we've seen early waves of this current paradigm shift happening back in history and most notably in the 60s and 70s yeah. uh, with the underground cultural movements that grew up then. Uh, well, even the 50s, because we're talking a little bit about the Beat Generation, which is a little earlier than that. That's so right, the Beat Generation as well, and, yep. and, and some of the pioneers of that. Mm. And uh, it's interesting to note that uh, they, in turn, were sort of seeded by movements that came out of the Second World War. Yes. And uh, the existentialist movement, uh, including uh, Jean-Paul Sartre and uh, Albert Camus, uh, in the years immediately after World War II. And, and those guys were members of a, uh, an underground publication during the Second World War called mm. Combat, yes. uh, which was a newspaper for the French resistance. From 1942. Yeah, I didn't know that until today. It was fascinating about Sartre because I've, I've uh, read Sartre and Camus and I uh, didn't know about that history of them during the war in the underground, which is Yeah, and, and they, were, they were working with uh, a guy who, who founded that uh, movement called uh, Arnaud yeah. Frenet and uh, mm. the three of them uh, published this combat magazine and then that uh, in turn uh, inspired uh, members of the beat generation like uh, Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg yeah. uh, Kerouac himself being French Canadian I guess uh, which was a, a logical connection there to mm. uh, the French resistance and it was sort of steeped as it says here in socialist thinking but uh, I guess a different approach to socialism at that time although of course very quickly uh, with the, the the reds under the bread kind of idea in the US and in this country too was was a, uh, you know made a, another evil to focus on yeah and it's it's interesting just to stop and make a distinction there because uh as these paradigms swing between communal themes and individual themes, uh, we've gone from uh, the communal authoritarian agricultural paradigm into the individual scientific industrial, and now we're swinging back to another communal paradigm. Mm. And it's it makes sense that people would get confused between this new communal paradigm and the old yes. authoritarian agricultural communal paradigm. Yes. And uh, in, in the section that I've, I've got here... Uh, about underground culture and the beat generation, which I, I pulled off Wikipedia, it says um, of the beat 
uh, genera- the Beat uh, Generation movement, uh, Jack Kerouac and Ginsburg. Uh, it says that uh, the America in the 1940s was steeped in socialist thinking before the Cold War began. Mm-hmm. This, however, was not the monolithic socialism of the totali- totalitarian Soviet state, which is the old agricultural era mm-hmm. communal way but rather the free-thinking and expressive socialism of artists and dreamers attempting to rethink society, which reflects this new emerging paradigm that, that is, uh, again, coming through as a major, major wave now. And because I think it has sufficient momentum and structure, it's going to splash and, uh, and it's going to overtake the scientific industrial. This time it may take uh, 10 or 15 years, but I, I'm uh, quite certain that's going to happen. So... So one of the things that we're seeing happen now is that people talk about socialists and socialism, but it's we've got two radically different versions of socialism in the old-fashioned authoritarian socialism of the agricultural era, which was epitomized by the, the Soviet state and its totalitarian authoritarian nature mm. and the emerging socialism which is radically different in as it says here free thinking and expressive socialism of artists and dreamers mm. attempting to rethink society and in particular one of the, the, the great distinctions between this new socialism and the old socialism is the uh, the cutting down of hierarchies so the old socialist, for example, the Soviet state was built on hierarchy, built on class-based societies, and although it, you know it, it espoused uh, communism and, and socialism and people living together and collaborating, it was it was very much under a repressive, dominant um, hierarchical control. Mm. So uh, we have to be careful in in uh, you know contemporary discourse today when we hear people talking about socialism to distinguish what they actually mean by socialism, whether they're flashing back to this old-fashioned, you know, communist socialism of the past, because a lot of contemporary, com- you know, commentators, particularly in the American media, mm. are, and, and I guess this is also connected with the regressive values search that's going on, where people are actually reaching back to that old set of values, looking yes. for a solution to today's problems. But a lot of people are fearing now that we're descending into communism, yes, yes, the old-fashioned exactly. communism, but that's just not correct. It, I saw a film recently, I think, on Netflix about, I think it was just called Trumbo, about uh, the famous um, uh, American uh, scriptwriter of uh, the 50s and 60s who was one of the, the, the blacklists, the Hollywood 10, who were blacklisted as communists in the USA. And uh, it was a great little film, actually, because he's... Um, and it stars the wonderful guy from... Um, uh, 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 that guy, yeah, that guy who makes the, makes the the ice and cocaine uh, the fame, uh, break, um, Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, right. Uh, what's his name? Uh, fantastic actor, brilliant actor, and it stars him as Trumbo, and you see him actually becoming underground in the Hollywood scene as he's banned and uh, having to write scripts under a different name because everybody wants his scripts, but nobody wants to actually say that they're using him because he's a communist. Yeah, right. But it was all a you know, complete furphy of the time, really. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Um, for some of the younger listeners, uh, you might not have heard of the Beat Generation, mm. uh, but they were uh, a literary movement started by a group of authors whose work explored and influenced American culture and politics in the post-war era after World War II. Um, bulk, of the, bulk of their work was published and popularised throughout the 1950s, which yeah. interestingly was exactly when Claire Graves was doing his research yes. into uh, human values, his field research. Um, the central elements of beat culture are the rejection of standard narrative values, making a spiritual quest, the exploration of American and Eastern religions, yeah. the rejection of economic materialism, explicit portrayals of the human condition, experimentation with psychedelic drugs, and sexual liberation and exploration. And some of that might sound familiar. 
Indeed, indeed. Because, because this was an early wave, in this case in the 1950s, of the exact same value shift that's happening right now. So we're seeing echoes of all of those things. Mm. And Ginsburg, of course, and I studied a bit of Ginsburg at university back in, the, in about 1971 when I first went to uni. Mm. And of course, his famous poem was called Howl. And uh, the opening lines go like this. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the Negro streets at dawn looking for an angry fix, angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo in the machinery of night. Mm. And so on. Interesting. A very powerful poem at the time, which really is you know, saying this is this is not the reality that we that we we want we, we want a bigger reality. We need a bigger expression, a bigger understanding of our place, our existential place in the universe. So yeah, um, I'm just reading a bit about Ginsburg here. Yeah. He was a Buddhist, of course. Yes, and, he was. Uh, one of his most influential teachers was the Tibetan Buddhist teacher Chogyam Trungpa yes. Rinpoche. Uh, who was the, the radical left-hand path guy who did all the wrong things to try and uh, mm-hmm. wake up his students. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Jack Kerouac also was uh, famously a part of that group, and also William S. Burroughs, mm-hmm. uh, who, who also was famous for going to South America and drinking ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. All these resonances. Uh, Frank Zappa, Zappa you know, the great uh, musician, uh, said at that time that the mainstream comes to you, but you have to go to the underground. I think that's really telling, isn't it? It's, uh, it is literally, and that 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 word, the underground, actually, it, we're very familiar with that now. But in fact, the term the underground was uh, used, of course, in World War Two and resistance movements, as we said before. But it was later applied to countercultural movements. So it was quite late, many of which sprang up, as we're saying, in the sixties. But yeah. for the first time, it was printed actually as used in this manner, underground by art critic Manny Farber in 1957. But it's fascinating that that particular metaphor, the underground, is actually very, in, uh, in um, Claire W. Graves' system, is, is a very green term, you could say, that notion of the earth again and how we're, how we're bringing something up from the soil, from the earth. It harks back to the, the roots of the, the roots. word culture, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yes. a field of possibilities from which things grow. Uh, yeah, and so you can see how from uh, the the extreme influence of World War Two, and I guess the you know the, the um, military industrial complex at its at its uh, peak, I guess in terms of uh, wreaking havoc globally and the number of people killed, uh, leading into the beat generation in the fifties, and then that feeding into the sixties and. Uh, the, the counterculture movements, uh, such as the hippies, of course, which arguably was the first globalized counterculture thanks to modern media, electronic media, and the, popular, the rise in popularity of that. Um, the, the musical aspects of the, the 60s revolutions like Woodstock, for example, yeah. where half a million people came together mm. uh, to sing about uh, revolution and change. Um, I dreamed I saw the bombers flying and turning into butterflies above the sky. However, the the great lyrics go of Joni Mitchell of the, in the yeah, song Woodstock. Exactly, and of course, a lot of the key characters in the '60s were were uh, inspired by Kerouac and Ginsburg mm. and, and reading their material and those sorts of things. Yeah, beautiful. For all of you out there, strangers in a strange land, you're grokking future sense here on Bay FM. Rebel yell, a bit of Billy Idol there. Of course, sometimes soft underground, soft, soft counterculture doesn't get the result, and uh, other movements arise in uh, in their wake, arguably. 
one of those, of course, was the the punk movement. Even though Billy Idol was not strictly punk, I'm not sure what Billy Idol would be classified as, but love him anyway. He was sort of later, wasn't he? He's really? a bit later. Later than the, the, yeah, the punk 80s. rock thing. Mm. Uh, yeah, interesting little wave uh, punk rock. I, I, I guess a lot of it was a pushback against authoritarianism, wasn't it? So, oh, yeah. so uh, again, a sort of a regressive Anarchy kind in the of UK. thing. You know, Sex Pistols, God Save the Queen, that kind of stuff. It's interesting now with the Brexit situation, it's almost like a, another resonance with that uh, era that actually something has really broken down in the structure of the British. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And it's, you know, it's interesting just to note that nested nature of our mm. value systems and how these old paradigms don't actually disappear entirely they you know they recede from global dominance mm. they're still very much here and they last mm. generally for quite a long time um, and we are going through i think uh, another progressive deconstruction of that authoritarianism which which harks back to the previous agricultural era but is still very present in you know large parts of society of course it's not the dominant global thing reminds me of this quote i have in front of me here from arthur schopenhauer who said all truth passes through three stages first it's ridiculed second it's violently opposed and third it's accepted as being self-evident oh yeah And I can't help but think, you know, uh, of that, uh, of the idea of um, the Earth being at the centre of the universe and the sun rotates around the Earth and all those people that got... Uh, burn him at the stake! Exactly. Burn him! You burn know? him! And then eventually people go, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so funny. Uh, so coming forward through history again, we've, we were just talking about the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. uh, and those those waves continued. I mean, the psychedelic revolution was was very strong, of course, during the, the late 60s in particular. In the 70s, and then even though it was all banned, uh, it all went underground. It didn't go away at all and, and continued to uh, make waves right through the 80s and 90s. Terence McKenna, of course, was a, a key spokesperson of that revolution and the new thinking and values associated with it. Uh, and uh, you know, right through to the present day, the, these waves haven't actually gone away. They've, they've been very much underground, though. And being underground, it's hard to gauge just how strong and they are and just how much momentum uh, is, is actually happening underground. But there is quite a lot. And, and particularly in the present day, I, I think uh, the, the plant medicine psychedelic movement is having an enormous impact globally in terms of changing human perspectives and shifting human mm. values, but it's mostly unseen. Yeah. And, uh, and and we've just been uh, at an event over the weekend with the, the plant medicine movement, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later in the yeah. show. Um, more recently, we've seen underground movements like Occupy in the United States uh, protesting, particularly against the economic system and the, the unfair distribution of wealth in the world and occupying Wall Street, most famously, of course, and their, their slogan, we are the 99%. And standing up for the majority, and again, very much reflecting this emerging communal paradigm mm. of moving away from the idea of individualism, every man for himself, and you know, get as much as you can and hold yes. on to it, kind of idea. Back to the communal, we're all in this together, and uh, we need to break down this unfair system, and uh, have everyone give it a fair go. Mm. Uh, and then further developments on on the tech side, we had the emergence of the dark web. Uh, a technological underground movement relying on the the Tor software, which ironically was developed by the U.S. Navy. <laughs> we actually have a have a question from a bit earlier in the show. Someone's yeah. texting. Love the show. Can you tell me more about the dark web? It's not really a purview of the show, but just a brief description that you mentioned just there. Yeah, uh, look, it's, it's an alternative internet, uh, which is very much 
designed around restricted access through using this Tor software. Uh, and as I just mentioned a little while ago, Tor, the Tor uh, uh, routing system, uh, which and what that does is it takes your as you uh, connect to the web rather than uh, you know connecting directly to the source, it routes your signal through a number of different intermediate. Um, gateways, mm. uh, thereby uh, aiming to obscure your, the origin of your inquiry so uh, people hopefully can't see who you are or where you're, you're uh, sitting with your laptop and mm. trying to dig into the information that's there on the dark web. Uh, however, I've always been terribly suspicious of it because the software itself was developed by the U.S. Navy and released publicly. <laughs> and usually those things don't happen unless they're actually doing yeah. it for a reason. So. And of course it's got a, a fairly bad reputation and somewhat justifiably for uh, it being uh, the home of various nefarious uh, underground activities such as drug trafficking and sex trafficking and paedophilia and the like. Recently, just I think last week, a, a whole large paedophilic... Uh, Pedophiliac ring was broken yeah. by um, by them actually accessing what's going on, on the dark web. So it's not actually uh, safe in inverted commas from uh, from discovery anyway. No, and, and that's one of the interesting uh, complications of the current paradigm shift is that the emerging values are very structured around freedom of speech, freedom of access, equal rights, mm. and. Once you try and open up absolute freedom, of course, you're not just granting that freedom to people with values like yours, but you're granting it to the whole of society. And so people who are operating from uh, less complex value sets, which might, might be based around uh, you know, purely personal power and egocentric yeah. values. Or purely money. Yeah, uh, or purely accessing you know, hedonistic things and those sorts of, yeah. uh, of uh, topics. Um, they also get free access and they get free speech and they get equal rights and and so it's like a it's like free reign you know it's like a a, a, a free ride for anybody who wants to exploit these systems as well and and it's not just the egocentric but also the the scientific industrial mindset is very exploitative and if it sees an opportunity yeah. to get or be successful get what it wants in easier you know more strategically then it will take it as well and so we're seeing this weird kind of uh uh, manipulation of emerging new values by the older value systems who will exploit take advantage as best they can yeah. uh, for their own benefit yeah. uh, and uh, other underground organizations that have emerged more recently the anonymous movement of course uh, which was quite interesting in that um, by nature it was kind of very decentralized and very mysterious yeah. as to where the messages were coming from, but nevertheless, some very, I think, uh, intelligent messages have been coming through. Taking themselves from the, that great movie V for Vendetta. That's right. Yeah. The, the Guy Fawkes mask. Yes. Uh, famously, and you know, I, I think we've, we've ever since that movie came out, we've seen those masks showing up in yes. public protests around the current paradigm shift and, and associated revolution. And thus also the banning of masks, you could say, in Hong Kong protests, which spins off that same thing too, to, to a degree. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. And interestingly, you know, it's it's almost uh, that uh, that movie, V for Vendetta, was almost predicting yes. the emergence of facial recognition technology, wasn't it? That's right, too. Yeah, very interesting yes. indeed. And there's some really interesting stuff coming out around that. I, I saw a, a mask advertised on the internet the other day, uh, which is clearly electronic, and uh, it it's, it's just looks like a, a cloth mask, you know, that you put your, over your entire face. But uh, um, it 
it distorts uh, like, your features. It, yeah, it has electronic uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. control of, of you know different colors and patterns on the mask. So the mask itself oh, really? is constantly changing its appearance. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I might have to get one and try it out. <laughs> you, you would. That's your sort of thing. I love that. He loves technology, this man. I do. He I do. does. He does. Um, yeah, a couple of your texts, I think, appropriate time. Thanks for yeah. a number of texts here. We won't answer them all today, but there's quite a few of them here. Um, just from the top down, just going back a little bit, of course, it's interesting to note that the term hippie actually came from the beatnik word, word hip, which means to be with it to be aware yeah, of what's going on. That's right. And uh, Dudley writing in here said... Uh, Thanks, Dudley. Dudley, uh, he knows because he was there meeting up with... Uh, he's a little <laughs> older than me. He was up with the early hippies in Bangkok as they started going to the east. And um, yeah, and Dudley also says, just a text coming, the, secre the secrecy of cryptocurrency similarly enables the dark side. Okay, that's a, a broader discussion. A absolutely, yeah. yeah. I was, that was my next thing, was to talk about cryptocurrency. But it, And interestingly, you know, that term, uh, which emerged with the beat generation and then was adapted to hippie in the 60s, is now hipster. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Very, very true. Yeah. Very true. And, uh, and the word counterculture, just on the meaning of words, it's important. Uh, that, that word actually wasn't coined until 1969 by Theodore Rozak, who wrote the book, uh, essential book at the time, The Making of Counterculture, Reflections on the Technocratic Society and its Youthful Opposition. So those sort of terminologies are fairly, are fairly new and still, uh, I guess, in a sense, uh, empty enough of meaning to pour more meaning into it because I think the counterculture now is maturing for sure, whatever that actually looks like, and we'll talk about that in the last half an hour to some degree. Yeah, and uh, just to talk quickly about cryptocurrency, uh, we saw the emergence of cryptocurrency fairly recently and it, it very much came out of the underground uh, and the underground coding movement, uh, uh, cypherpunks, and uh, very explicitly designed to collapse the current economic system and, and it's no surprise that we're seeing major, major pushback against cryptocurrency uh, by mainstream establishments, uh, even to the point of uh, banks, uh, even right here in Australia, if you put uh, on a transaction that you're buying cryptocurrency, then you can have your uh, transactions blocked and maybe even yeah. your account frozen. Uh, and it's amazing to think that that kind of thing can happen yeah. uh, in this day and age, you know? I, I guess it's a, it's, it sort of also equates to the government uh, legislation trying to stop freedom of speech and those sorts of yes, things. Yes, indeed. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate and spiral up. You're tuned to Future Sense. A quick uh, nod to a few other texts. We can't uh, do it today. Someone has mentioned their history with the Huguenots in France who were persecuted and had to flee. Uh, their Protestants flee to the Catholic Church, and of course these things have been down through history. And the chapter's written in before about patriarchy, matriarchy, really interesting stuff, really acknowledge what you said. Thank you very much. Not going to talk about that today, but you do mention um, Dr. Warren Farrell's The Myth of Male Power, this particular book, and we'll come back to this at some other point for sure. And I do take your point, and I do it also uh, like the, uh, the, the friendliness and the, the love that you give in, in, in giving your point of view, and we don't mind any sort of contestation here, and I do, I'm, I'm interested in what you've got to say for sure. We're just about up to the present day with our talk about underground movements uh, and the counterculture throughout history and the role mm. they've played in shifting human values and changing paradigms. And of course, Extinction Rebellion is probably the most uh, topical and, and recent emergence. We've seen widespread uh, protest action from them uh, throughout the world, and they're very reflective of the emerging uh, humanistic 
anthropocentric paradigm and uh, and that paradigm is very much focused on and it's its purpose as i see it is really shifting human values and at the same time identifying and healing what we perceive as broken and the being a communal paradigm it necessitates a communal environment we're drawn to recreate rebuild communities mm. to come together in, in a global community in many senses uh, and also an internal very personal focus because change starts with me mm. you know that's that's part of the mm. deal and we we feel the need to share our personal change in the communal setting mm. and, and speak very openly about our personal challenges mm. and because these things are the major focus uh, the coding of this particular paradigm this particular set of human values means that we won't really see much significant material change in the world in terms of building new systems that make old systems obsolete. These things, I expect, will come from the next iteration, which is yeah. the result of the great leap in consciousness to second tier and, and the seventh layer. But not that far off, folks. But it's all very close and it's very overlapping. You've got to remember yeah. that Graves found you know, layer seven, layer eight in his field research from the 1950s and early 60s. So these things are, are happening in parallel. Mm. I just, I think you mentioned to me over the weekend. Uh, um, I think it was an ER Extinction Rebellion um, protest and the sophistication of the methodology that they were employing. Yeah, which is very important, and that's a that's a significant change, isn't it, in terms of uh, uh, the coordinated and communal response and uh, and strategies that are adopted by these new movements that are coming forward. Yeah, it is, and uh, characterised by a peaceful protest. You know, yeah. I think that's one of the big things, and and the. The uh, collaboration of large groups, but working together in structured ways to overwhelm mm. uh, the, the law enforcement mm. uh, that's present and those sorts of things. But you also know, having liaisons with the police, with the law enforcement. Yes, that's mm. right. Yeah, And also observers observing what's actually going on who are dressed, I think, with a yellow jacket or so. And that's right. Yeah, 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 of course. Mm. Uh, that story came from the Adani protest okay. site. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, so, you know, networks of people with different specialties coming together and working mm. very closely to... Um, to create uh, a well-structured and well-controlled and quite peaceful but uh, often effective protest. And uh, when I say effective, you know, it's effective in disrupting uh, the activity of the, the current paradigm um, and the effectiveness reaches to making people think twice about their values, reconsider their values, but not as far as actually making new systems material change. Mm, yeah, But yeah. it's coming... So we spent uh, a couple of days out at uh, the Rebel Herbal event out uh, west of here, near Blue Knob. Um, quite a countercultural underground movement, which uh, particularly Steve has been involved with for quite a number of years, as we've <gasps> talked about here. Well, you know, I mean, you know what's going on there, at least, and I do to some degree. I keep my finger on the pulse. Uh, the Rebel Herbal being uh, essentially uh, a part of the new psychedelic revolution, but not exclusively. The the reconnection with the earth, with plant, uh, with plants, with the cultivation. We're talking about culture and cultivation here. And uh, and that whole notion of reconnection, but in a, in what appears to be a much deeper level. And I was extremely impressed by many of the presentations out there. Really wonderful, mostly younger people with really a, a quite an incredible consciousness evolving with relationship to our relationship to everything and how that's going to emerge and what benefits that's going to have. It was a very interesting mix and uh, definitely I saw uh, signs of significant progress in, in the movement overall at this event. You know, there was a... Mm. 
there was a move away from some of the egocentric shadow focus that you would get from some sort of earlier such uh, mm. gatherings. Iterations you know, of this, yeah. And, and uh, glimmers of second-tier intelligence coming through, mm. you know, uh, a sort of a, a, a detached witnessing of what's going on, yes. uh, you know, uh, and I think that's, you know, wonderful mm. to see and also a, a tendency to sort of look at things from a systemic point of view yeah. like systems of systems how those systems are working or not working yeah. how different systems are interacting and they need to change those systems and the microcosm and the macrocosm so that applying both to the body to your own personal healing your own, your own personal process either physical or mental emotional and the global perspective which are inseparable and I think that was the sort of key thing inseparable but also not excessively critical of, of what's wrong but actually how, how do we reflect that how do we work with ourselves and heal ourselves and how that actually affects the healing of the planet in various ways yeah and a wonderful uh, spectrum of attendees mm. you know a, a really really broad age range yes uh, from, even though yeah yeah from young to ancient <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> so I, was, I was definitely one of the oldest people there but yeah you there's easily four generations of people there although the average age was probably around 35 yeah. but that was a wonderful thing to see yeah. that these kind of young folk have got uh, and i shouldn't there's no sort of uh, uh, you know, I'm not dissing them in any way. I was I was actually blown out by the intelligence of some of these people, and mostly, uh, not exclusively, but mostly uh, women who are clearly very empowered. And there's that that male uh, male female thing again. Uh, but yeah, really an exceptional um, event over the weekend for me. I thought it was uh, very uh, authentic. Yeah, really, really uh, wonderful to see so many women stepping up. Actually, there was like a, almost a predominance of women there presenters. Was. I think wasn't it there was, really? Yeah. And yeah. the event was organised by Rachel Gagan. Yeah, Rachel, uh, and congratulations great. to her. Yeah, absolutely. First time the event's ever been held, and it went uh, amazingly well. Mm. Re really, really wonderful. And it was uh, great to see John Seed there. Yes, good old John Seed. Uh, they did a presentation, and a man who's, uh, as you may know, many of you has come through a, a bit of his own personal struggle recently, but still, uh, still doing his thing and um, being a an elder in this in this in this world in the world of regeneration of acknowledgement of the earth of the deep ecology that many of us now talk about yeah yeah and uh john's uh, in his 70s now i mm. think and he was talking about the the early uh, underground movements and counterculture movements and uh, you know what they were doing years ago when he was involved and he's mm. feeling now that he's just come through uh, a, a big uh, significant health uh, event in his life mm. that, that he's feeling he wants to re-enter you know the the uh, the revolution I guess and he's he's openly sitting in front of the group you know speaking to the group openly considering you know how does he do that does he go back to doing what he was doing before yes. or has it changed somehow yeah, yeah. it was really really wonderful to for him to be sharing that with the the younger members of the movement I love the very simple uh, one of the simple themes that emerged a number of times was that the healing crisis that many people are experiencing on the planet and there's many aspects of that but it would, it would appear that we are suffering a lot more physically and mentally in this time and we talk about about this on this show and this transition from one value system to another and that that notion that the empowerment of your own healing uh, your own self-healing how do you find your particular way not what someone tells you how you're supposed to do things but how you actually discover your own healing yeah process. And, we, and there were therapists there and on discussion panels from all over Australia and interestingly talking about the the most common ailments that are presenting to them in in clinic and mm. uh, quite predictably if we look at the value shift yeah. you know they were saying uh, disconnection yeah. from community disconnection. what was key mm. uh, and the other thing was toxicity arising from mm. 
uh, unhealthy eating patterns and just uh, the, the general run of the old paradigm society well, that just many of us are still embedded in. The yeah. poisons, the poisons on this planet, earth, air and sea and water that we now suffer from. Really, the, the biggest issue on the planet is really that poison. You've got a wonderful little piece there uh, yeah, from I, a little publication the, we discovered. One of the other the wonderful Rebel characteristics of, of this event and the people there was, mm. you know, the, that uh, nobody was taking themselves too seriously and, and everybody was very prepared to laugh at, you know, some... <laughs> I think people think we take ourselves seriously. I, I don't seriously know. Seriously Who are these people? I don't know. Who are these people? Identify yourselves now. Um, so one of the people there and, and who spoke and was actively involved in uh, MCing and running the event was uh, a chap by the name of Nick Sun, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, who I think hails from Sydney. And Nick uh, had a career as a comedian, yes. and then went through a value shift from you know the the sort of mainstream scientific industrial uh, rat race kind of uh, set of values into this emerging value set. And then he started to to shift his comedy to address some of these emerging values. And he said uh, during his talk that uh, you know he's up at Broad Beach on the Gold Coast, and he started you know saying some of these things that were kind of in line with the new values, and they just fell flat on yeah. the audience, <laughs> which is no surprise. There's a lovely little anecdote like that from a, a woman on one of the panels who is a naturopath and, a, and a, travels around in a, in a caravan with a, a, someone she cares for uh, and does very cheap sessions for farmers and other people and trying to get, for example, something like a rescue remedy, which many of you would be familiar with, a sort of alternative uh, sort of homeopathic substance, uh, and uh, with her spray and trying to spray a little bit of, of this rescue remedy into the mouth of a, of a, a, a cocky out west is not going to happen. And they go, why can I spray that shit on me? But if, if she makes it into a lozenge and gives them a lozenge, just suck on this for the day as you till your fields, and you may you may experience uh, some emotional, uh, you know, responses to it. And I thought it was really funny. It and, is uh, funny. It, it's what's appropriate, what actually works for somebody. How how can people actually receive some of these things? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that recognition of different value sets and the the tailoring of things to suit value sets is a, is really an emergent second tier characteristic. It's very interesting. Mm. Anyway, I'm going to read uh, this short piece which was published in a lovely little zine that was uh, issued as part of the Rebel Herbal event. And if you want to check it out, uh, it's of course finished now, but uh, the website is rebelherbal.org. You can mm. have a look and see what it was all about. Mm. Uh, and this is a piece written by Nick Sun and it's called On Wokeness. Yes. Awokeness, just that idea, that, that word you may know out there that's been used by trendy people, that they're woke. Uh, I woke, awoke to something. But, yeah, uh, relating to awakening consciousness. And so this is a list of to. characteristics of, uh, of being woke, <laughs> according to Nick Sun, comedian. Number one, you like to tell people that you are woke, especially on social media. Number two, you use grammatically incorrect words such as woke. Number three, you look at people who aren't woke and you feel pity for their unwoke state while thinking, I'm so woke. Number four, you look at other people who are woke and you size them up and conclude, you may be woke, but I'm woker than you. Number five, people go out of their way to avoid you because you're too woke. Number six, other than going on about how woke you are, you don't do much else about it really. Number seven, you think that because you are woke, there is no further woking to do. Number eight, you sit around with other people who are as woke as you and you woke each other off. If there are enough of you, you form a circle shape to perform this activity and have what is known in anthropological terms as a circle woke. Number nine, some of this might be sounding familiar. Mm. Number nine, while you decry the forces that seek to keep everyone asleep, you still tacitly support the very same structures that keep the system in place. Mm. Number 10. It's getting serious now. Sorry, but you aren't woke enough to understand number 10, so I won't bother trying to explain it to you. Number 11. 
You equate being woke to being right. Mm -hmm. Number 12, you decide to write a petty article bagging out woke folk as it places yourself above them because you obviously are woker than them you woke off. <laughs> Love it. He was wonderful. He was a wonderful, wonderful chap. That, that's from Nick Sun. And if you like his work, you can check it out. He, he's on medium.com at Nick Sun, N-I-C-K-S-U-N. And he's got a YouTube channel as well. Beautiful. We'll leave it there. Thanks for your text. And that last one's coming. Uh, thanks to um, uh, David, who's written in. And yes, we will uh, take note of that and uh, come back to you very soon. Uh, that's it for Future Sense. You can check out our podcasts, edited podcasts, within a couple of days of this broadcast. You can also listen to the whole show at bayfm.org by this afternoon once I enter a new show and stick the songs in there and so forth. But the edited version will be uh, podcast within a couple of days, and you can access it easily through futuresense.org. IT. It's just a, uh, a portal to our podcast, but also on things like iTunes, you can get the podcast. Thanks for joining us around the world, whoever's out there, and we'll be with you next week. Stay tuned. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia, at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.